ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد Tonight then will be a lecture regarding the congregational prayer, the Salatul Jama'ah, and some of the hadith that have been mentioned about the congregational prayer, praying together in the masjid in Jama'ah. And it's an important topic to mention, especially now, straight after Ramadan. When people have been accustomed to coming to the masjid and praying in jama'ah. But then after Ramadan, perhaps the shaitan causes some laziness, causes some weakness in a person. So the person begins to become slack with attending the jama'ah prayer. Even though during Ramadan he may have been making a bigger effort. So we'll mention some of the narrations in the Sunnah that talk about the congregational prayer, the virtues of it, the rewards for it, and also some of the narrations talking about the criticism of the one who does not pray in the jama'ah. Firstly, then, we'll mention some advice of a Sheikh bin Baz, rahimahullah ta'ala, regarding this particular topic. It is mentioned from the Ahadith, the Hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar, radiyallahu anhuma. أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال صلاة الجماعة أفضل من صلاة الفذ بسبع وعشرين درجة متفق عليه بحديث which is in البخاري and مسلم the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said Congregational prayer is better than individual prayer by 27 times. Congregational prayer is better than individual prayer by 27 times. In another hadith of Abu Hurairah, رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صلاة الرجل في جماعة تضعف على صلاته في بيته وفي سوقه خمسا وعشرين ضعفا that the prayer of a man in congregation is multiplied compared to the prayer in the home or in the market by 25 times greater. Prayer in the jama'ah is multiplied by 25 times more than prayer in the home or the market or elsewhere. وَذَلِكَ أَنَّهُ إِذَا تَوَضَّأَ فَأَحْسَنَ الْوُضُوءُ ثُمَّ خَرَجَ إِلَى الْمَسْجِدِ لَا يُخْرِجُهُ إِلَّا الصَّلَاةِ لَمْ يَخْطُؤْ خُطْوَةً إِلَّا رُفِعَتْ لَهُ بِهَا دَرَجَةً وَحُطَّتْ عَنْهُ بِهَا خطيئة 
فإذا صلى لم تزل الملائكة تصلي عليه ما دام في مصلاه ما لم يحدث تقول اللهم صل عليه اللهم ارحمه ولا يزال في صلاة من تظر الصلاة This hadith which is in Al-Bukhari and Muslim The Prophet said that the prayer of a man in congregation is multiplied by 25 times more than his prayer in the home or the market and so if he makes his wudu if a person makes his wudu and perfects it then he exits towards the mosque nothing else exits him except to go to the mosque that is his reason for going out then he will not take a single step except that every step raises him a level and erases, removes from him a sin. A person makes his wudu, perfects his wudu, leaves his home, goes towards the masjid leaves his home and exits for no other reason except to go to the mosque then every step he takes it will remove a sin from him and raise him a level and when he prays then the angels they continue to send the prayers upon him as long as he remains in that place after the prayer the angels continue to send prayers upon him as long as he remains there remains upon wudu and they say allahumma salli alayh oh allah send the prayers upon him allahumma arhamhu oh allah have mercy upon him وَلَا يَزَالُ فِي صَلَاةٍ مَنْ تَذَرَ الصَّلَاةِ And that person is considered as being in prayer, as though he's in prayer, praying. If he's sitting there, waiting for the next prayer. As long as he is sitting there, waiting for the next prayer, then it's as though he is in prayer. He is rewarded as though he is in prayer. Then also, to show you the importance of the congregational prayer in the mosque, is the hadith where the Prophet, or it's mentioned, أَتَى النَّبِيَّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ رَجُلٌ أَعْمَى فَقَالْ A blind man came to the Prophet sallallahu and said يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ O Messenger of Allah لَيْسَ لِي قَائِدٌ يَقُودُنِي إِلَى الْمَسْجِدِ I do not have a guide to guide me to the mosque. So he asked the Prophet if he can have a justification, an excuse to pray at home because he's blind and he doesn't have anybody to take him to the mosque. So the Prophet allowed him that excuse, allowed him that you can pray in your home then. So when that blind man was going, turned around and going, the Prophet called him and said to him, Hal tasma'un nida bis salah? 
Can you hear the adhan for the prayer? He said to him, Can you hear the adhan for the prayer? Qala na'am. He said, Yes. Qala He said, In that case, respond to the call of prayer. Meaning, go and pray in the mosque then. If the adhan can be heard by you, then reply to that adhan, respond to that adhan, i.e. go to the masjid and pray then. And that is a blind man who didn't have any help to get to the mosque. As Sheikh bin Ba said about these hadith, he said, هذه الأحاديث الثلاثة كلها تتعلق بصلاة الجماعة these three hadith, all of them are connected to the obligatory the uh, jama'ah prayer. They're all talking about the jama'ah prayer. وَصَلَاةُ الْجَمَاعَةِ شَأْنُهَا عَظِيمٌ وَفَضْلُهَا كَبِيرٌ The congregational prayer has a great station, a great uh, uh, place, a great virtue. فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ يُضَاعِفُ بِخُطُوَاتِ الْمُؤْمِنِ إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ حَسَنَاتِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increases the rewards of a person by the footsteps that the person takes to the mosque. وَيَرْفَعُ بِهَا دَرَجَاتِ And Allah raises the levels of that person through his footsteps for every footstep. وَيَحُطُّ بِهَا خَطِيئَاتِ and Allah removes from that person the sins for every step. It is therefore something needed of a believer. It is something required of every believer. That they strive upon praying in the jama'ah. Strive upon guarding over the jama'ah prayer. وَلَوْ بَعْدَ دَارُهُ لِيَنَالَ هَذَا الْخَيْرَ الْعَظِيمِ Even if your home is at a bit of a distance from the mosque, Still the Sheikh says, make that effort and strive to come and pray in the jama'ah, even if your home is a little bit far. If it's too far, then obviously you're excused. But if it's within reach, even though it may be a touch far, the Sheikh says, make the effort in that case. If you're within touching distance, then make the effort. Make the effort and come and pray in the jama'ah to get all of this great reward. And that is an obligation upon the person. It's an obligation upon the person to come and pray with the Muslims. And it's not allowed for him to pray in his home. وَلِهَذَا يَقُولُ الصَّلَاءِ سَلَّمَ And that's why the Prophet said, صَلَاةُ الْجَمَاعَةِ أَفْضَلُ مِنْ صَلَاةِ الْمَرْءِ فِي بَيْتِهِ That the congregational prayer is superior to the prayer of a person in his home. And he said, صَلَاةُ الْجَمَاعَةِ أفضل من صلاة الفذ بسبع وعشرين درجة. The congregational prayer is superior to the individual prayer by twenty-seven times. And in the hadith of Abu Hurairah, بخمس وعشرين ضعفا, multiplied by twenty-five times. وَذَٰلِكَ أَنَّهُ إِذَا خَرَجَ مِنْ بَيْتِهِ لَا يُخْرِجُهُ إِلَّا الصَّلَاةِ لَمْ يَخُطْ 
ويخطو خطوة إلا رفعه الله بها درجة وحط عنه بها خطية فحديث منشن that if a person exits his home nothing causes him to exit except that he intends to go to the masjid then every step a sin is removed and a good deed a level is raised for him and in the hadith of Ibn Mas'ud رضي الله عنه وكتب الله له بها حسنة that Allah writes a good deed for that person for it فَإِذَا وَصَلَ الْمَسْجِدِ And so when that person arrives at the mosque لَمْ تَزَلِ الْمَلَائِكَةُ تُصَلِّ عَلَيْهِ مَا دَامَ فِي مُصَلَّهِ The angels, they do not cease to send their prayers upon him as long as he remains in his place of prayer. تَقُولُ They will say Allahumma ghfir lahu Oh Allah forgive him Allahumma arhamhu Oh Allah have mercy upon him Allahumma tub alayh Oh Allah give him repentance Wa la yazalu fi salatin man tadhara salah Ma lam yu'adhi aw yuhdih that the person also is considered as remaining in prayer. He is considered to be in prayer as long as he is there in the masjid waiting for the next prayer to arrive. فَهَذَا مِنْ فَضْلِ اللَّهِ الْعَظِيمِ أَنَّ الْعَبْدَ تُكْتَبُ لَهُ حَسَنَاتٍ وَتُحَطُّ عَنْهُ خَطِيئَاتٍ وَتُرْفَعُ لَهُ دَرَجَاتٍ بِذَهَابِهِ إِلَى الْمَسْجِدِ وَجُلُوسِهِ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ وَانْتِظَارِهِ لِلصَّلَاةِ This is from the great virtue of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that the good deeds are written for this person and the evil deeds are removed from that person just by him going to the mosque and sitting in the mosque waiting for the prayer. وَهَكَذَا مُكْثُهُ بَعْدَ الصَّلَةِ And similarly sitting there after the prayer too. He is rewarded for staying there after the prayer too. When that person is doing his adhkar, his remembrances, he's reading the Qur'an, he's doing his du'as, and he's waiting for the next prayer. Then in that case, the hadith mentions how the angels make du'a for him. And they ask Allah to forgive him. And they ask Allah to have mercy upon him. وَالسُنَّةِ أَنْ يَتَطَهَّرَ فِي بَيْتِهِ يخرج متظهرا من بيته عامدا إلى الصلاة. And the sunnah is that a person purifies himself at home, makes the wudu and everything from home, then exits out to go to the masjid. That is the sunnah. Make the wudu at home, be upon that purification. Then exit the home and head towards where? The mosque and the masjid. And we see the virtue of it and the severity, the importance of it. In the hadith about the blind man. When the blind man came to the Prophet and ask him if he is allowed to miss the congregational prayer because he's blind and there was nobody to take him to the mosque. There was nobody to direct him and guide him to the mosque. So initially the Prophet said, yes, okay. But then as the man turned around and he was leaving, the Prophet ﷺ called him and said, Can you hear the adhan 
from where you live, where you are, can you hear the Adhan? The man said, yes, I can. The Prophet said, in that case, answer to the Adhan. Meaning, go to the mosque and pray in the Jama'ah. So this indicates, دَلَّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ مَنْ يَسْمَعُ النِّدَاءِ وَلَوْ كَانَ أَعْمَىٰ لَيْسَ لَهُ قَائِدُ يَتَسَبَّبُ حَتَّى يَصِلُ الْمَسْجِدِ that even a blind person who doesn't have a guide, if he's close enough to the mosque that he can hear the adhan, he needs to go. He needs to work out some way of being able to get there. He needs to work out something, organize something to get to the mosque. That shows you the importance of the congregational prayer that even the blind man is not excused. ويقول في حديث في الحديث الآخر من سمع النداء فلم يأتي فلا صلاة له إلا من عذر. That a person who hears the adhan but does not come to the masjid and he doesn't have any excuse, then there is no prayer for that person. There is no prayer. For that person, if he hears the adhan and doesn't make any effort to come to the masjid, then there is no prayer for that person, unless he has a reason or an excuse that is legitimate by the religion. Without any legitimate reason, the person just doesn't come, then his prayer is not accepted. This shows you how important it is to make sure that we come and attend and pray in the masjid. Not that we avoid and abandon and do not come and join the jama'ah. Or that we only join the jama'ah in Ramadan and after Ramadan we don't come to the mosque anymore. That is not correct. That is not right. So a person needs to make sure they understand the importance of these congregational prayers. When would an excuse be valid? It's mentioned that Ibn Abbas anhuma was asked, What is the acceptable excuse? Fear. Fear of something. Illness. You have some illness or sickness and you can't come, then okay. فالمؤمن يجاهد نفسه ويحرص على إغاظة المنافقين. So the believer needs to strive and to show the munafiqeen and to 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 demonstrate to them the iman of the Muslims and to leave them in their pitiful state and to show them what pitiful state they are in. Believer needs to make the effort and come to the masjid and pray in that jama'ah. وَيُرْضِي مَوْلَاهُ رَبَّ الْعَالَمِينَ And he needs to please his Lord by coming to the mosque and praying in the jama'ah. وَعَلَى الْمُحَافَظَةِ فِي هَذِهِ الْعِبَادَةِ عَلَى الْمَسَاجِدِ And he needs to guard over doing this act of worship in the mosques. وَيَفُوزُ بِهَذِهِ الْخَيْرَاتِ الْعَظِيمَةِ مِنَ دَرَجَاتِ وَالْحَسَنَاتِ وَتَكْفِيرِ سَيِّئَاتِ حَتَّى وَلَوْ كَانَ أَعْمَى And so he will gain the rewards of the levels being raised and the sins being removed. He will gain all of that reward in attending the jama'ah prayer. It's even mentioned in a hadith that the one who does not attend the congregational prayer, that the Prophet wanted to do what? Burn down their houses for not coming and attending the congregational prayer. So it mentions in a hadith in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, وَالَّذِي نَفْسِي بِيَدِهِ لَقَدْ هَمَمْتُ أَنْ آمُرَ بِحَطَرِ 
فيحفظ ثم آمر بالصلاة فيؤذن لها ثم آمر رجل آمر رجلا فيأم الناس ثم أخالف إلى رجال فأحرق عليهم بيوتهم والذي نفس بيده لو يعلم أحدهم أنه يجد عرقا سمينا أو مرماتين حسناتين لا شهد العشاء It mentions in this hadith that the Prophet said by the one whom my soul is in his hand I intended this thought came to me that I would command them to get some wood to gather some wood then I would command for the prayer to be established the adhan to be done and I would command one person to leave that prayer then I would go to the homes of some men who are not attending the jama'ah and I would burn down their houses I would burn down their houses and then the Prophet ﷺ mentioned by the one whom my soul is in his hand if one of them knew that he would find a big juicy uh, type of food in the masjid or two pieces of meat that, that the beautiful desirable foods if somebody knew they were going to find that at the mosque then they would come and attend the isha they come for that if they knew that they were going to find this, they would come for the Isha. The point of this at the beginning is that the Prophet ﷺ said he wanted to go and burn their houses down, the ones who do not come to the congregational prayer. This shows how severe it is that a Muslim abandons the mosque abandons the congregational prayer doesn't come and join the jama'ah only in Ramadan he makes the effort after that he abandons it then that indicates the severe threat and the severe calamity that the person is upon in another hadith it mentions in the hadith of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud رضي الله عنه ولقد رأيتنا ما يت وما يتخلف عنها عن صلاة الجماعة إلا منافق معلوم النفاق ولقد كان الرجل يؤتى به يهادى بين الرجلين حتى يقام في الصف عبد الله بن مسعود said that I have seen us and none of us stays behind from the congregational prayer. He's talking about his time. He says, none of us, we stay behind from the congregational prayer. None of us miss it. Except the munafiq who is known for his nifaq. The hypocrite who is known for his hypocrisy. They are the ones who miss it. Otherwise, he said, none of us miss that congregational prayer. And he said, to such a level that maybe a man would have to lean upon two other men either side, one arm, one arm, and basically be carried to the mosque. He can't even walk. He has to hold on to one person on this side, hold on to the other person on the other side, and then they help him and he can just about get to the mosque. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said, I used to see this occur that they would come holding on to others, they can't even walk by themselves. And yet they would want to come, and they would come, knowing the virtue of the jama'ah, knowing the great amount of reward that there is in praying in congregation. 
It is mentioned in the Quran, إِنَّ الْمُنَافِقِينَ يُخَادِعُونَ اللَّهَ وَهُوَ خَادِعُهُمْ وَإِذَا قَامُوا إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ قَامُوا كُسَالًا يُرَاءُونَ النَّاسَ وَلَا يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا That the munafiqeen, they attempt to deceive Allah. Hypocrites. The number is An-Nisa 142. That the hypocrites, they try to deceive Allah. But He is the one, Allah is the one who has put that deception upon them. When they stand for prayer, they only stand in a manner of or under laziness. They don't want to be standing in prayer. They don't want to be spending that time in prayer. So they only stand in that laziness, showing the people that, look, we're praying. Showing the people only that we're Muslim. And in reality, in their hearts, they were kuffar, disbelievers. And that's why here it's important to make a note of this. The scholars, they mention. If you pray in a way of laziness and you want to get it over and done with, then that shows you have some characteristic from the characteristics of the hypocrite, not wanting to be in prayer, wanting to get out as soon as possible. It shows that you have a characteristic from the characteristics of the munafiqeen. And that's why a person needs to make sure that when they pray, as Sheikh al-Ithameen said, that you pray with your heart and body. Heart and physical body. Because many people, they only pray with one of those which one of the two things do many people pray with? Their body. They may come and they line up in the prayer. They are praying with their body. Their mind, their heart, is that in the prayer? Somewhere else they don't care. They don't want to be there. They're only doing it to show the people. As Shaykh Al-Athameen said, when you come to the prayer, make sure you pray with your body. That's obvious. You're there. Your body's praying now. But with your heart also. Do not only just pray with your body, just doing what everybody's doing. Rukur, sujood, up and down, and your heart is not in the prayer at all. These narrations all indicate to you how important the congregational prayer is. We know though, worship is something that requires patience. It is something that is heavy upon us. In particular, the prayers that may be outside of the normal times for the people. The Fajr prayer at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. The Isha prayer at 11 o'clock or 11.30 at night. These are difficulties, but a person needs to be patient upon those difficulties, knowing that as-sabru ala ta'atillah, being patient upon the obedience to Allah, it is an act of worship. You're being patient in fulfilling your obedience to Allah, and that is an act of worship. Aisha and Fajr late and very early but in ramadan in ramadan everybody was doing it in ramadan everybody praying the isha and taraweeh everybody getting up and praying the fajr if it can be done in ramadan then that momentum needs to carry through so you carry on doing it outside of ramadan these are obligatory prayers Anybody who abandons these prayers, the obligatory prayers, we're not even talking about taraweeh 
We're talking about the obligatory prayers. Fajr and Dhuhr and Asr and Maghrib and Isha. Anybody who abandons them, that is the first thing you will be questioned about on the Day of Judgment. The first thing that a servant is asked about on that day is the prayer. And the Prophet said, الْعَهْدُ الَّذِي بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَهُمُ الصَّلَةِ فَمَنْ تَرَكَهَا فَقَدْ كَفَرَ The difference between us and them is the prayer. So whoever abandons the prayer has committed kufr. It's very important to guard over the prayer, but it's also very important to make sure you are guarding over it in the right way. By coming to the masjid and praying in jama'ah. Five times a day, the religion has prescribed for the Muslims to come together. To give salam to one another, to meet one another, to build that brotherhood with one another. Five times a day, everybody is supposed to come together. So a person needs to remember these virtues and these important narrations about the prayer. In particular, when it comes to the difficult prayers like Isha and Fajr. This, of course, is all in relation to the men. As for the women, then what is the ruling regarding the women? Where is it better for them to pray? At home, it mentions in the hadith, La tamni'u amatallahi masajid Allah. Do not prevent the servants of Allah, the females, from the mosques. Do not prevent them. La tamni'u ima Allahi masajid Allah. Do not prevent the female servants of Allah from the mosques of Allah. But their homes are better for them. So for women, it is better for them that they pray at home. More reward. And they can pray in congregation at home. If there is the, the mother, the, the daughters, they can pray their congregation and one of them leave the prayer, no problem. One of the women leads the prayer, the other women pray in the congregation behind her in the home. But it's better for them to pray in their home. But the men, all of these narrations we spoke about, the men need to come to the masjid. One question people always ask, and I think you probably discussed it once before. If you go on Umrah or Hajj, and you're in the hotel next to the Kaaba, then do the women go out and pray in the haram or should they pray in their hotel? Because the hadith says the prayer of the woman in her house is better. So what should they do now? Huh? Pray in the hotel? Are you married? Not yet. So you're going to take your wives to Umrah. Then you're going to tell them, stay in the hotel. You cannot go to the haram because it's better for you to pray in the hotel. Is that what you're saying? Uh-huh. Anybody else? In the home, the meaning in the hadith is in their place of residence, wherever that might be. So is it better, more reward in the hotel or to go out to the haram? So the narration says, لا تمنع إماء الله مساجد الله وبيوتهن خير لهن Do not prevent the women, the servants of Allah, going to the mosques of Allah. But their homes are better for them. That narration applies, including in the haramain. If the woman decides, I'm going to stay in the hotel, you go. Then you go, you have to go. And she can stay and pray there, and the prayer is superior, it is more rewarding. When the Prophet ﷺ mentioned this hadith, do not prevent the female servants of Allah from the houses of Allah, but their homes are better for them. Who was he talking to? The Sahaba. And the wives of the Sahaba stay at home instead of coming to Al Masjid al Nabawi. 
stay at home instead of coming to the haram. So that applies. If you go to Umrah, it is superior still in the home. But of course, it is allowed for them to go to the haram. And of course, they will wish to go to the haram. And they should be allowed, of course. Go to the haram, pray in the haram. Nothing wrong with that at all. Nothing wrong with that at all. To go to the haram, it is good. And they want to go and they want to pray there as well. Absolutely fine. Nothing wrong with that. But in terms of the narration, it would indicate the hotel, the home is still considered better in terms of the reward for the women. That is the brief short reminder we're going to mention tonight. Is there any questions or anything else to add in the last 10 minutes or so? Before we round off, because next week, you know, remember before we were doing the adhkar, the supplications and the du'as book, that now we've done maybe 40 lessons or something. 40, 50, quite a few lessons on that we did now. We went through lots of different topics about dua and everything. Next week we're going to be starting a brand new book. Insha'Allah Ta'ala it will be advertised this week. Uh, on the Twitter, on the Telegram, WhatsApp, all the things that you have. It will be advertised this week. There will be copies of whatever book we decide to do available in English. We'll only do a book which is available to get English copies so that everybody can have a copy of the book and make the studies better. Because that way then you can prepare the class before you come. You can revise it afterwards as well. Any things that you don't understand, we're going to go through it in the class as well. So by having a copy of the book, it makes it a lot easier to study. So whichever book we pick this week, it will be a book which is available in English as well. So you'll be able to get that copy and we'll be able to do a proper study series from next week. Which is going to be upon request. I've had a request to make it a bit more difficult. Everybody's going to have to work hard. Everybody's going to have to read carefully into those books. We're going to explain it in more detail than sometimes previously the Adhkar book and things we did, which was a bit easier. So it's going to be a bit more detailed this time. And it will be a book probably about Aqeedah and, and topics like that. So we'll announce it this week and everybody try your best to get a copy. You know, in some of the other mosques where I teach, what they do is, when we decide on a new book, then all of the brothers, they come together, one brother takes responsibility, everybody writes their names down, that brother makes an order from the bookshop for 10 copies. You get them cheaper as well, discount. And then everybody has a copy of the book. So if you want to organize something like this amongst yourselves, it's a good thing. In some places, they do it every time we start a new book. One person takes responsibility, everybody gives their names, who wants the book, gives their money to that brother. He purchases 15, 20 copies in one go, gets them at a discount price as well, and everybody has a copy to begin the new study. So inshallah, this week we'll advertise that book. Questions now, then what Specifying going on Eid day isn't a sunnah or anything. People, they think on Eid day I need to go visit the grave of parents or this or that. It's not specified to do it on Eid day. As long as you don't make that some type of sunnah, you believe it to be some type of sunnah, then it becomes a bid'ah. If you're just generally going, then generally it's permissible. There's nothing, it's not a sin to just generally go. You decide to go and eat day. It can be done, it's not a sin. But if you make it some type of connection, every Eid you go there to the grave to visit, and that can be a problem, it may end up as a bid'ah. For the women, the Prophet said that their prayer is better in their homes than in the mosque, which would indicate that they are getting a, a, an amount of reward which is sufficing them as the amount of reward is multiplied for the men in the mosque. Their reward is greater in their home. Numbers and figures, it doesn't mention the same thing. We can't say 25, 27, those things, but we know that their prayer in the home is superior and more reward. So they have nothing to worry about. The narration is saying to them, at home, your, your reward is multiplied. 
Just like for the men the other way, their reward is multiplied in the mosque. For the women, your reward is multiplied in the home. They can do that. If the women are at home and they want to do jama'ah, mother, daughters, whatever, they can do jama'ah. One of the women can lead the prayer. Normal how the men lead the prayer, read out loud, and the women do the jama'ah with themselves. They can do that. Juma'ah prayer, same thing. If the women and Juma'ah prayer as well, it's not an obligation for them to come to the Juma'ah prayer. It's not an obligation for them to come to Juma'ah prayer. Again, like you said, the hadith says don't prevent them. If they want to come, because it's Juma'ah may be good for their iman as well, things like that, no problem. There's a space available, they can come. But it's not an obligation. For many things. Eid is different. Eid in the Sunnah, it says everybody should come. All the women should come as well. Even if they are on period, they should come. Just don't sit in the rows. Just sit a bit back. But everybody should come out to the Eid prayer. That's mentioned in the Sunnah. Women included. Separately. If you're, if uh, the rain, there's a question here as well, same question about raining. There are some exceptions when the man doesn't have to come and pray in jama'ah. One of them is heavy rain. Uh, rain which is enough to cause a problem. If it's very light rain, many scholars say that doesn't count. But rain, that's proper rain. It's making you wet and when you're outside and things like that, mud on the floor. If there's rain, proper rain like that, then you have an excuse in the sunnah. You don't have to come to the mosque and rain. Even if you have cars and things, that doesn't matter. If it's raining like that, then there is a legitimate reason to be able to stay at home. If you happen to be at the mosque, then it's a legitimate reason to be able to combine the prayers for the rain so that you don't have to come back for the next one in the rain. If you come out of Dhuhr and it's raining, raining, you combine it so you don't have to come back for Asr in the rain again. So in the, in the, in the mosque, you can combine the prayers in the rain. If you're at home, you just pray your Dhuhr. And then Asr time, you look again if it's raining, okay, you can pray Asr now, comfortable as well. Other reasons are like illness and fear like we already mentioned. Now this thing about summer, combining in the summer every night for two months or three months, there is a hadith where the Prophet Sallallahu that the Prophet ﷺ combined between Dhuhr and Asr and Maghrib and Isha without fear, without rain, without any of those reasons we just mentioned. Without safara, without traveling as well. Without any of the normal reasons, he just combined anyway. So some scholars use this hadith to say that sometimes you can combine even without any reason. Sometimes it's possible to combine without any reason. Based upon that, there are some narrations of the Salaf that it can be maybe because of a mashaqqa. Maybe there's no reason like rain or travel or illness, but there's some other difficulty attached to it. Maybe that's why you can just combine without any reason. So based upon that, some scholars like Sheikh Ubay, they give the opinion that you can combine in summer because there is a difficulty there. Isha is like 11.30 at night, Fajr is 3 o'clock in the morning, you hardly got any time by the time you get back to sleep or anything. So there's a difficulty in the summer. So a Shaykh Ubaid based upon that narration says you can combine every day. Other scholars they say, this same hadith that the Prophets are some combined without any reason, just combined, they say that is only for one-offs. They say you can't use that hadith to start doing it every single day for three months or two months. That hadith was a one-off. The Prophet combined without any rain or fear or traveling on a one-off occasion. That's why other scholars like Shaykh bin Baz, Shaykh Ahmed Najmi, Shaykh bin Hiddan, Shaykh Aziz Madkhali, many of the other senior scholars, they say no. We don't give the fatwa you can combine every night. They say no. Shah time you pray in Shah time, Fajr time you pray in Fajr time. You can't just combine the prayers every day for two months in a row. So some scholars don't accept this opinion of combining. They don't give this fatwa at all. Others like Shaykh Ubaid, according to that hadith, he says it indicates you can do it. So there are fatwas of some of the Salafi scholars allowing combining in the summer for a couple of months. But others, like those we mentioned, Shaykh Ahmed Najmi, Shaykh Bin Baz, 
They don't allow this kind of thing. They say, no, you can't combine prayers just like that continuously for two months, three months. In the Quran, the prayers are established at fixed times. So they say, no, you have to pray it in the fixed time. Sometimes people say, but the Isha time never enters in the UK. That Ashafaq al-Ahmar never disappears, they say. Even then, Sheikh bin Baz and the other scholars said, so what? Even if you have that problem, then just look at the nearest country where the Shafaq al-Ahmar does disappear and just take their time and do your Isha at that time. Do it at that time what they do it at the nearest country where Ashafaq al-Ahmad disappears. Let's imagine that's 11, 18 p.m. So khalas, you just do your Isha at that time as well. Don't just combine it with Maghrib. Estimate it at the nearest country where it is then. And they, uh, they use the evidence of the hadith of the Dajjal. And the uh, end of time when the Dajjal comes, a day is going to be like 50, 40 years and there's some narrations of Thousands of years and everything. But the point of that, the Sahaba said, how are we going to pray? The Prophet said, estimate it in, in that time. Every 24 hours, estimate the prayers and pray. So Shaykh bin Ba'a said, if Ashrafaq al-Ahmad doesn't disappear, estimate the time. Don't just combine it with Maghrib. Estimate when Isha should be roughly and pray at that time. So it's an opinion of some scholars you can combine in the summer, but many of them, they don't give the opinion. Uh, if there's a mosque that does it, then shouldn't cause any problems, just if they do it, they do it. You can, if you don't believe in the opinion, after Maghrib, stay with them, just pray Nafar. Stay with them, don't break off the Jama'ah and walk out. Stay with them, pray Nafar. And then afterwards, pray your Isha, the Isha time. Oh, no, no, that, that, there's no, uh, I'm not aware of anything about time gaps. As long as it's raining at the time, then it's permissible to combine the prayers. Uh, I, I'm not aware of any fiqh saying that if it's a, a long, time gap then there's a possibility the rain might stop so don't combine I've never heard of this opinion Allah Ad. the type of rain we mentioned yes. the fuqaha they say most of them it's got to be a rain for example makes the mud on the floor appear imagine you have very light rain and you go to the field it's not going to be muddy but just light rain it's got to be some decent rain to make it muddy on the ground they say it's got to be like that they say when you walk outside, it makes your clothes wet, like you get wet. Light rain, you could walk from here all the way down to the Asda and things come back very light rain, light rain. You come back, hardly anything, two seconds, it's all gone again. They say, no, that's not combining then. It's got to be properly, you come out of that rain and your clothes are wet. And so they give details about the amount of rain. That it's got to be decent, proper rain to have those rooms. We're going to have to stop. I've got to go to another class. We'll have to leave it till next week. Inshallah ta'ala. I will advertise the book this week, like I said. Uh, it will be something available in English, and maybe you can get together on the WhatsApp group, Telegram, whatever connection you have, and then uh, try and maybe get the book as well, and we'll do it at a bit more detailed explanation.